Hello and welcome to the Modern Ear Podcast, where we take a look at classic and favorite albums. I'm Trevor. I'm Beric. And today we bring ourselves into a New York state of mind, as we will show one love for hip-hop while walking down memory lane. So if you like rap music as we do, it ain't hard to tell. We will talk about the album Illmatic by Nas. So... The structure of the podcast will be as uh, the previous episodes we had. We will go through our first listening section where we exchange our thoughts, um, what came up during the first listening. Then we will have a deep dive, which will be maybe special on this episode because there's so much content out there in the world it's to have ridiculous. a deep dive on this album. It's crazy. Uh, we could do like a three-hour show with deep dive yeah. into this that's for sure or like five extra episodes uh, but we will try to yeah cut it a bit down to to our main observations um, let's see how this will work out and afterwards we will discuss what this made with uh, our second listening and yeah for me it will not it was not really the the first listening or second listening as i discovered this album in 1999 so a couple of years after it was released because it was released in the april of 1994 um, a lot of people would say the golden era of the, the 90s hip-hop and i was like 16 years old and was really getting deep into hip-hop uh when i discovered this it was not the first songs i uh discovered by nas um it was already the second album was already out it was called it was written and it, there was the song on it if i wrote the world together with low and hill that was the first nas song yeah that was the first one that was the first one i ever heard by him as well yeah same for me and i like it but it was not too much i don't know hip-hop i preferred I, I liked more you know my my first introduction to hip-hop was an album that was just shortly before Illmatic was released that was enter the wu-tang clan so more rough and then i saw the first song the first video of Illmatic that was one love produced by q-tip and i loved it It had the typical 90s style with him rapping in front of his neighborhood and, and his friends. And uh, I just really loved that song. And at that time, I uh, had a couple of older friends. You know, it was before Spotify and, and, and even Napster, all that stuff for me. And uh, I had some 18 years old friend. They had uh, a lot of hip-hop albums. And I called them and asked, do you have that album? And said, yes. So I went there picked up the CDs, went back, made a copy of myself for, for the tape and listened to it all summer. And that uh, was when I fell in love with that album uh, at, at that time. And I will a little bit later explain really why. And another reason why I choose this album is uh, it is conceived as one of the greatest rap albums ever um, for a lot of artists, even as the, the most influential for them. Um, lots of lots of influence on this one. Yeah, love, I, like love. I noticed that on my first listen, I was like, "Wow!" Like, yeah, the stuff I was listening to. '99 is also kind of when I got into hip hop as well, mm -hmm. and I think I hadn't didn't Nostradamus 
come out in 99? That one where he has like the Egyptian yeah. looking. Because that was the first Nas album I bought, but I had heard the song with Lauren Hill before. This one I actually, sadly, embarrassingly, never really heard before, which is strange. It is really strange. That's really but strange. Also kind of great for you to discover that kind of album now, as I as I think. And when you've heard what the hip hop I grew up listening to sounds like, then I'm like, well, that's obvious influence from Nas. And this is something that I always had in my mind that the this album was especially highly praised by his own peers. Yeah. Not only by critics, but that in with all the hip hop and rap community, that this was super big. Uh, I remember interviews with German hip hop artists and they explained what, what was their first influence. And mostly they said that it's not cinematic. So, and that was also one reason why I choose this album. And I have to say, I always ask others uh, the question, what five albums uh, of a different genre would you bring to a, a lonely island? And uh, Nasalmatic would be definitely one of my hip hop albums. I don't know if I'd have it as one of my top hip hop albums, but I appreciate the, the influence it had. We'll get into that later though. Yes, so let's start with the first listening and some other information in advance this album had only 10 tracks and basically only nine because the first one is kind of the intro the genesis it's it's not a real song and it has great producers the main producer and the first producer of nas was large professor and also working on that album with him was the legendary dj premier which i think is the most influential uh, hip hop producer of the last 20 or 30 years. Uh, this I album think. really kicked him off on a big run too. Yeah. Um, he worked with, I would say all big hip hop artists. Yeah. Almost especially from, from, from the East coast. Um, he had his own group with, with Gangstar. And um, also from his peers, I think there's no doubt that he's one of the greatest. And also, this was kind of uh, something that made him even bigger or put him really big on the map. Uh, Pete Rock, New York legend, was also producing songs. L.E.S. is one. And also, the great Q-Tip um, frontman and founder, producer, and MC of the legendary a Tribe Called Quest. I didn't, before this, I didn't even know that Q-Tip like, made beats. I thought he was just a rapper. I also discovered it because of One Love. I was super surprised. I loved Tribe Called Quest. And then also, I, you know, yeah, first they're, song, they're One great. Love. I said, what? That's Q-Tip. I first only thought it was a feature because you hear his voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, in the booklet, I said, wow, he produced. And he produced a lot of stuff. Also together with Quest Love of The Roots. He's also real music, music buff. I just like, yeah. I really like Q-Tip's voice. I, I, I like and his flow yeah he it's very special uh, tribe called quest also one of the greats yeah that's for sure 
Yeah, let's uh, guide me and all our listeners through your first listening as it really was a first listening. Yeah. So with, with Genesis, I mean, it's an intro. There's not that much to listen to. It's a bunch of guys talking and some recordings of Nas rapping, which yeah. you find out about. I found out about what it was later. Um, New York State of Mind. One thing that I noticed with this... I thought it really feel, felt the beat felt really kind of gritty and like street like I felt like which then kind of makes sense with the whole idea they were going for with the song. And I just wrote down wow really nice flow. Yeah. That also came again up to my mind it's like 5 minutes he's really really flowing. He's really going at it. Yeah, like it's just like tack tack just really really good. Yeah. And the thing I noticed straight away is that the and this is through most of the songs the uh beat is really high in the mix like it's kind of almost even maybe even a slight bit higher than his vocals which i found pretty interesting and that also creates this even more gritty sound i think Mm -hmm. yeah because like he's kind of underneath it a bit yes which i i really liked it which also fits to his uh his voice I think, and that's, yeah, yeah, that fits, is really, really well. well described. Something I really like. I I like when it that hip hop sound has this this grittiness. Yeah. And then there's um life a bit life's a bitch with, Az and then, a trumpet part at the end from Aludara, which is Nas's dad. And I wrote down that the beat really makes me think of like '90s R and B and kind of jazzy feel to it yeah very warm jazzy as yeah. as i wrote down and this one i actually knew oh, okay really like the bass bass line and again really like the flow this is consistent through the whole album like the flow is just ridiculous um the world is yours that was one of my first favorites on the album from the first listen that one I wrote down that it really makes me think of the roots a lot. Hmm. That is a good one. Didn't co- did not come to my mind, but I, I can see it immediately that it, it works. It made me think of the roots and common. Yeah, that's a good fit. There's a nice mixture of kind of old school mixed with the new style that he was bringing up at that time. Then with halftime, I started noticing the strong bass line through basically all the songs. So more, more bass-heavy songs for the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's where I really started noticing how much of an influence he, how much of an influence Nas was having on later New York hip-hop artists. Yeah. And just from that point forward, I was like, oh, wow. That's really like what hip-hop in the late 90s early 2000s sounded like coming out of new york it's such a new york album i mean it, it starts like, with new york state of mind but the all over sound and and the way he's rapping and then all of it of the sound i i totally agree couldn't be more new york i think and and just the flow that he had coming from like the late 80s early 90s it's completely different than what the earlier stuff was yes like his his rhyming style that is definitely for sure and i think if you know 
even when you're into hip hop and you listen to it now, maybe this stuff doesn't come directly to your mind if you don't know what hip hop uh, was sound before that. So this is really because so many things, I think also because of this album defined by that way and, but it was totally new in, in, in that time, how, yeah. how he approached it. Memory lane was just more of listening to the influence that I, I'm noticing lots. Um, One Love. I really sat there the whole time because I too thought it was going to be like a featuring Q-tip other than on doing something other than the singing One Love over and over again. I sat there waiting the whole song for like Q-tip to drop a verse. (laughs) At the end, I was like, where's (laughs) Q-tip? Does he seriously just, that's all he does? Well, that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, of course, you hear his voice. Now, now he's dropping a dropping a, a verse, but nothing's coming. Um, yeah, like, and Q-tip, and no, no. Okay, and the song's done. Um, one time for your mind, I didn't really have anything about. And represent, I wrote down that it's a really kind of a head bopper, and it made me think of Wu Tang, kind of. Yes, it's it's the warist. And with it ain't hard to tell. I just wrote down that I liked it. I find with the hip hop stuff, it's a bit hard to um, think of, hard to listen to the instrumentation with sampled tracks because there's not that much you can look at for the instrumentation. So it's more about flow, how they've built the beat. And, but the beats are, it's with all these producers, it's amazing. And his rhyming and flow is just on point, the whole album. It fits so well together. And one thing I wrote for the whole album was um, it seems to take the old New York feel from hip hop and mixes it with a more modern feel for that time. I agree. That was all I had down for my first listen. Okay. What about you for your um, 20th? or Yeah, for my 200th listening, I I don't know. Um, So again, I so much enjoyed the listening. Um, I like at the intro, the genesis, the sound of the of the the typical New York subway. Um, that is also so typical '90s New York hip hop style to have that sound of of the streets of New York. Yeah. Um, and I always felt attached to it. I don't know why. It, it it always felt for me so what made had a certain hip hop sound that I that I love. And. Um, then it's such a great start with New York State of Mind. It's such a great track. I, you know, just how it starts, the first verse is so, so kind of with flow and, and, and kind of aggressive, aggressive. I think the beat is just amazing. It's so amazing. The piano sample is so great. It makes it, it's some ways kind of melodic, but it has like all the all the time you feel like the like there's danger around the corner all the time. I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, true. It has, I didn't think of it like that, but I know exactly what you mean. And it it, it almost by listening you're getting focused. I, I don't know. It's 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 such a great primo um, production, and combined with this five-minute verse. Where he's really going at it, like you, you can feel his. I mean, when he recorded this album, he was like 
20 years old. Like, you, you can really. He was 19 when 19, he recorded it. Like, yeah. And he's talking about stuff. You can really feel his young energy and his desperation to, to show the world uh, what he's capable to do and where he comes from. And he pulls all this energy in, 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 into that uh, first song. And it's, it's, it's so hip hop for me. So that was also... Even the recording process was very hip-hop. Yeah. And it, it, I think it also has um, the most um, famous line of the album, I Never Sleep, because sleep is the cousin of death beyond the walls of intelligence. Life is defined, I think, of crime when I'm in New York state of mind. Uh, especially I Never Sleep, because sleep is the cousin of death. It's so often sampled uh, in, in the hip-hop. Very famous line. Um, and yeah, this uh, is, is such a great flow. Um, and then yeah, life's a bitch. I, I really like. Also, I like the warm sound of it. Um, and and the, the trumpet sounds good. I already knew like like the trumpet comes from his father, um, but it always also pops pops into my mind. And it also like like the chorus, life's a bitch and then you die. That's why we get high because you never know when you're going to go. It has like a theme that is quite often in this album, like, you know, it's, it's, it's a hard world where I'm coming from, but I kind of, I don't know, sometimes you're explaining that still we're making the best out of it or try to make the best out of it, sometimes glorifying it. And, and there's, there's so much you can, like in, in this area, um, so he explaining the dark side, but also some kind of hopes you have. I don't know, that comes up to my mind. But it's, it's more um, to say, in other songs, it's more visible, but uh, that's something I, that came up. The world is yours, also such a Pete Rock uh, tune. He produced it. Um, so so jazzy, I think. Uh, great yeah. great lines and lyrics also there. Um, like the Zip and Don P watching Gandhi. Uh, so like also these these different words that doesn't fit together. Like uh, you want to have like uh, the 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 posh life, and also watching Gandhi movies because there's something, somebody who explained uh, social injustice that then he also was thinking yeah. about it that led, like really fits to, to the Nas lyrics, I think. Um, that came also up while that listening. And yeah, that was not at the first listening, but he also uses, uh, he was one of the first who uses references to the movie Scarface, like so often happened in hip hop. But the world is yours uh, is from uh, the movie Scarface that I later discovered in the deep dive, so we can go into that. Yeah. And halftime. Also, I thought it, it is a more old school sound. So as we said, it was also the first. It was the first one he recorded. Yeah, like, like two years before. Old, I think it's in '92, right? Yeah. Like two years before the album dropped, that was the first. Yeah. Uh, song, so, so it makes sense that it might kind of stick out as a bit of a different sound compared to the others. 
but also such just a classic hip hop track. Um, with Memory Lane, I always think when it starts, I always expect that this is just an interlude. How it starts? Really? I I never really thought. Oh, now now's a song coming with 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 some lyrics. And I remember this from my first listening. I love the sound. I love this. I love the track. Um, I can see my my own. I have this picture of the park bench uh, in Queensbridge, where old man sitting and and or he's sitting and 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 talking or or whatever. But I don't know. From from the sound when it starts, I thought this is just an interlude. I'm going to have to listen to it again and, and think of that and see if that has kind of that is the same effect on me. I didn't really notice. Didn't, didn't have that. We'll see. I, so, I can not really explain why I think about this, but um, it's not so heavy going forward from the beginning. Um, other than one love. Just from the from the first beat of One Love, this is a song I, that just I'm feeling attached to. Like the sound, like like the again that the, the Q-tip voice, just this one word, One Love. That's uh, really good. I like the storytelling of it. I'm really fan of the idea to to create the, um, that that stories where where he writing letters to friends uh, in the prison, also with you know. Very lyrically gifted, great flow, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. And that was his life at that point. Yeah. Like that's that's real world for him. Yeah, and, and he used it in, in lyrics that and that way of storytelling that wasn't really there that much. So he made things visible. Um also that is the power of hip hop, I think. Um also that he kind of showed how this life looks like so yeah and that's why it's also had such such power and after well, that there is the, the the weakest song of of the album one time for your mind is something i think that they could left out i don't also have quite it's not that i don't like it but it's i don't have strong feelings about it i completely agree with that one and then it has a, a great ending um, I can totally rely to your um, quote that represent is, you know, remind you of, of Wu-Tang. The rawness of the of the song is so New York style again, produced yeah, by yeah, totally by Premier and this typical represent. This is really uh, I'm representing here my neighborhood. Uh, here I am. I'm putting myself on the map. Um, yeah, just classic. And Ain't Hard to Tell, also a song I really, really love. And there's a the, the passage in, in that in that song that is the, the sample of Michael Jackson human nature. Yeah. I always getting goosebumps when this starts the first time. I love that sample so much. It's and a very good sample. It's 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 so good. I, in general, we go later and, and we can go into the deep dive uh, of all that, that song that was sampled. Um, very well done. What I did not find is like, I thought about it, if that heavy sampling was so often done before that album in the 80s hip hop, 
with that vibe with the 80s hip hop was all samples it was really right just on another yeah, way that's, more that's that's how the hip hop started was with yeah, they would right. sample between old like the b-boy yeah you're right cruise would the stuff they would dance to would be the old disco songs with the, where they would find the jump off and but yeah it's just then it's just the sound that that uh, was used differently and the producers brought their a game for this which is crazy considering he'd never had an album out before he had been uh, he'd appeared on like two other tracks and managed to get like primo and q-tip two of the biggest producers and pete rock of that time also and pete rock yeah and yeah. pete rock and got them to come and do tracks for him like that's insane and primo did like more than one didn't pete, pete rock and q-tip each did one right yeah, pete rock one uh q-tip one and primo produced represent memory lane and new york state of mind yeah like alone that he got primo in there and who did three is crazy for just an up-and-coming artist that has never had an album and it's just going on the hype of a few tracks yeah but it also created the hype for the album yeah so nas is, uh and there's an an interview where he's telling well they knew me in the scene only from like two tracks or like one verse uh where you get the first time on the map and then uh, from halftime and then they ask him yeah who's producing the album yeah q-tip uh primo and pete rock and yeah right and then it really you know yeah, went through new york really like well. this newbie this rookie gets an album produced by this ex and there was such a buzz about it which makes sense so it really helped in the community and in the in, in the hip hop world, and also outside of it, to uh, to push it. Even when I also figured out that the the selling numbers at the beginning were not that high, but yeah, that really helped the hype. There was a huge hype. So, as we've kind of already started going into the deep dive a bit, shall we officially go in? Yes, let's do it. And you texted me like, wow, this is overwhelming. Um, how can there be so much information about that one album? And I was serious. I was very, very overwhelmed. I was like sitting there going, I don't know what to read first. I don't know what videos to watch first. I, I was very overwhelmed. I still have so much stuff that I want to read about it. I couldn't get to everything. No, impossible. I had an advance because there is a documentary that is kind of a, like eight years old. It's called Time is Elmatic. I yeah. saw that uh, a couple of years ago. So and a lot of information was still in my mind. Um, and uh, I dig a little bit back into it. Do, do you saw that documentary? I didn't. I didn't have time to watch it, unfortunately. I'm going to, though. I want to see it. It's a, it's a good one. I mean, there's kind of a lot of web documentaries uh, about this album, but this is kind of the official one, I would say. That's by him, right? Yeah. So even when it was so hard, what 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 things uh, is on your list? What 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 did you find out about this album? Well, first up, about Nas. He was born September 
14th in 1973. And he grew up in the Queensbridge Projects in Queens, New York. Which is the biggest project in, in the US, like 10,000 people living in, 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 in a couple of blocks. Craziness. I can't imagine like growing up there and then like all you, most of what you grow up, you would grow up seeing is crime. Yes. And poverty. Especially in the 70s and 80s in New York. Yeah. Um, with the, yeah. the crack epidemic, the politics going on there. Um, yeah. As you said, it's, you cannot imagine. Um, so the, I mean, this is a typical theme, but really it's like the only way out seems like you're good in sports so you can, you can rhyme. But when he, when Nas was coming up, it was, you were good in sports. Yeah, correct. Rhyming wasn't an option no. back then. It was after Nas because he, he helped. It was a, exactly. It he was helped after Nas. creating uh, this path. Absolutely. Yeah. And what I found really impressive was, or crazy, not impressive because you shouldn't drop out of school, but he dropped out of school after the eighth grade. Yeah. And I also think it's so impressive because when you vocabulary that guy has yeah in his in his rhymes it's insane the the amount of just the vocabulary he has for a guy that dropped out of school after the 8th grade correct the knowledge about a lot of things that and as mentioned he was like 19 when when he recorded this yeah seems like he used the time quite well to be at home and educate himself Maybe better yeah, than well, the school could. So, <laughs> there's people that they're not made out for school. Yeah, some of the greatest minds that we have today are people who like didn't go to college because school's not for them. That's just made, especially if you look at like the '90s and late '80s about how schools were set up in the states. I know what they were like in Canada is probably not that much different, and. It's still the same way. You have your basic way of learning and that's kind of it. They don't leave space for kids who need to learn differently. Yeah. And there are kids that have to learn differently. So if you don't fit into the mold, you're kind of tossed aside. And I'm guessing Nas didn't fit into the mold of what the average student needed to be like. Correct. And chances are quite high that there are also a lot of other troubles to get into, uh, into school. Um, in that area, so, but it it is still is so impressive because, and to be then, it's so hard to to gain knowledge and to to have access, to um, to educate uh, yourself and then to be able to bring out that kind of poetry. Wow. Yeah, really cool. So Nas now to date has 12 albums to his name. Number yeah. 12 just got released, right? Yeah, just last week he released uh, a new album. His The first introduction to Nas was actually in 91 on Live at the Barbecue by Main Source. Yes, and parts of the rhymes are the one. Yeah, part of the rhymes are the ones that uh, you can hear at the intro Genesis. Um, yeah, exactly. And that's kind of, he, Large Professor was part of Main Source. And so that's how they met. Yeah. Or they knew each other. And then he went and did rhymes on the Main Source's album. And 
on the one song live at the barbecue and he would apparently record his own tracks like demo tracks in the studio with large professor when large professor was working on rakim and cool g rap albums which is kind of cool because Nas basically became the new rakim and large professor also had a big influence that other producers were involved which is a yeah, great work he went for him. I mean, them. he could have said, well, I produce your album, you're such a talented guy, and I put my name on it. But Nas wanted to have different sounds, and he said, well, I introduce you to Pete Rock, Q-Tip, and, and DJ Premier. That should not be underestimated what big of a um, service he did there. Um, so that's, that's great work by him, I think. Well, and, and I saw an interview with Nas where he was actually talking about that, and he said... He would have been fine with having Large Professor produce the whole album, but Large Professor didn't have time to produce the whole album as well. Said if I had waited for Large Professor to produce the whole album for me, it would have taken like two more years. And that's too long. So that's too long. I also read that Nas was introduced after that Life at the Barbecue to Russell Simmons, the head of Def Jam, which made hip hop big. But he did not want to sign Nas because he thought he sounded too much like Kooji Rap. Yeah, I saw that too. Um, that was something that I, was I, by, I did not know. That was by MC Search. Yeah. And then MC, MC Search, Search introduced him, introduced the all this Nas stuff around. He shopped it around for Nas. And because he he knew the guys at Def Jam, he did them a solid and brought it to them as one of the first group people and they said no way <laughs> and then then he took it to sony where he showed it to a, an a and r executive named faith newman she heard it and said i've been trying to find this guy for a year and a half <laughs> <laughs> there he is there he is and so they said she actually said you're not leaving here until we have a contract made up for him Ah, that's great. So they, they got it done and then he brought it to Nas and the rest is history. And actually him signing with Sony helped with the um, Michael Jackson sample that you like because MJ was also on Sony at the time so they didn't really have to jump through any loopholes. It was just the higher up said, okay, you can use it, done. Okay, that, that's great info because that popped up into my mind. Well, that is that a young be. guy in new production. How did they manage to get a sample of a track of the most set record of all times? Yeah. I actually just saw that right before we started recording. I saw a video where Nas explained that. Yeah. And still today, and as you said, he had a big output, 12 albums. Still, his first one is like conceived for a lot of people, it's the best rap album ever, which is maybe too much praise, but it's definitely one of the greats. But you also had other hits. You know, there's like Nasus Like, also by DJ Premier, one of his most famous tunes. He had like Made You Look, and so many others. He had a famous battle with Jay-Z that a lot of people yeah. said helped hip-hop uh, at that time because it was a little bit stuck and it raised the bar again between those two locally gifted guys. 
it also helped Nas because he was apparently fading out when right before that happened a bit. And his one song, the diss track about Jay-Z, Ether, just went and put him back on the map. Yeah. And back at the time, it was still more, yeah, often to have that really battled. I mean, there was anyway, East Coast, West Coast, there was this battle. Also, Nas had a kind of battle track against Tupac because also from Queensbridge, another great hip-hop band, Mob Deep, from his neighborhood also had a, had a beef with him. He also featured on Mob Deep and all that stuff. But there was also um, not only, not, maybe not beef, but Nas also explains that um, shortly after Illmatic, Biggie had uh, his first album and it was platinum from the beginning. And Biggie as a person was a, was a bigger star you know, there's this famous picture of Biggie with the crown, but he, he was the king of New York. Yeah, he was the new king of New York. Yeah, And he, he met Nas and he looked at him and said like, you know what they say, it's survival of the fittest. So, and it was like, you know, Nas explained it was like competitive, also smiling. Um, it was like, like everything. And it had an influence on his second album. It was written that he said, well, he, it really pushed him that he wants to, to go also at, at Biggie to show like, I'm, I'm capable also to, to, to have that kind of crown. With Illmatic, he's the one that actually put New York hip hop back on the map. Yeah, but together with Enter the Wu-Tang, they, they, they were the first that put it on the map a couple of months before that, I think. And then uh, Illmatic where was the other one. I think it's more Illmatic than Wu-Tang. Oh, you disagree? Wu-Tang still, at that point, I think was more, still more underground than Illmatic. Yeah, that, that um, I have to research. Oh, yeah. And like the, just even the influence that, that Illmatic had immediately on hip-hop compared to, on the East Coast hip-hop compared to Wu-Tang. Like, I, I like Wu-Tang, but I think Nas had way more of an influence on East Coast hip-hop getting to where it was. Especially also the way he rhymes. And also... Yeah, exactly. Like how it is today. You know, today there are no hip-hop groups or clans or like like there's a... The only group is The Roots, that there's one person and, and having his album and, and rapping and having a lot of producers... Uh, that is now the usual, but also to have different producers working on one album, that was new in hip hop. That was new. And before that, there was one producer, one act. That's it. And uh, that was kind of new until today. That's everybody, well, not everybody, but most of them doing it that way. That's standard now. Yeah. But there are producers that was interesting for me at, at the deep dive. Also, like um, the one that produced one of his last albums, Good Life, No ID is his name. I, I haven't heard of him before. He said that kind of hurt also music because sometimes it would make more sense to have only one producer and not, not too many. And everybody just searching to only cherry picking for every song another producer. 
And he said, imagine Michael Jackson would have said to Quincy Jones, I'm so hot now, I'm, you know, I'm using you only for, for uh, two songs. Um, I can see that too. I think for that album, it worked out perfectly fine. Um, but I, that was also an interesting take for me. I, I read that as well. I liked his uh, way of explaining it, saying it's like if you had a movie where every scene had a different director, it would just be disjointed. There wouldn't be one straight storyline going through, yeah. which is kind of what hip hop after that was. There's not really a straight line going through it. For the, Absolutely. It, maybe lyric wise, but if you take like the whole structure of the songs, not much of, you don't have like a full album. It's like an album made for tracks. It's very, very rarely. And if it's, then usually like DJ Premier is uh, involved and he produced the whole album. <laughs> yeah. But then, then, then it's one album and that's it. Like yeah. one producer and that's it. Correct. I just listened to a new hip hop album by an, an, you know, an old legend, Master Ace, and he used only one producer, Marco Polo is his name, from Canada. Um, great album, by the way. But also kind of old school. But well, that's not the topic for today. Uh, what I did not know is what we already mentioned is that Halftime was the first song uh, recorded two years before Illmatic came out. And it was a, a soundtrack for the movie Zebra Hat. That was totally new for yeah. me. Um, and what also was very interesting for me during the deep dive, I had a look at all samples used. Yeah, uh, of the album, and that was quite cool to listen to the original ones. I have to say, so I can really recommend. There's a, a YouTube video that's only like five minutes where they track by track just showing which samples are used. Uh, that's quite cool. Yeah, I watched that. What I found interesting with um, New York State of Mind, I watched I watched an interview with uh, Primo where he was talking about making the album with with Nas and he said it was a different way that he worked with Nas compared to working with other artists because most other artists would be like hey I want a track a beat give me something Nas was so into making this album kind of his own that he would sit down with DJ Premier and go through records with him to find the stuff that he wanted on his album and Primo said he never did that before. And Nas, an interview said also that it, it was so great to work with Primo because Primo took all the time in the world to went through everything with him. It sounds like it, right? Yeah. Like this, sitting there with like this 18, 19 year old kid going through albums. That's insane. Like Primo was already a famous DJ then. Quite big, was his own group gangster and as a producer. He had a radio show at that point too. And he's just sitting down with this kid from the projects going through albums together, listening to see what he could use. Memory Lane also has one of my favorite stories that I discovered in the deep dive. And that was also with an interview, but not with Primo, it was with Q-Tip. And really? Q-Tip has an interview and said, okay, now I'm playing you a tune. Primo and Q-Tip will hate me for that, but I have to. And he's on his notebook and he's playing the first recording of Memory Lane that sounded kind of 
not totally different, but way different than the, the version they later put on the album. But Q-Tip loved that version so much that he said, this vibe, this sound of it, I will take. And this had an influence on One Love, how he created One Love. And you can really feel it. That's I, pretty I will, cool. I will send you uh, the video where he explains it. Uh, that's quite cool how really this worked together. So uh, between the producers and, and how, how their process was, that really felt special when you can see interviews with Pete Rock, Q-Tip and DJ Premier and Nas, all of them, uh, how they talked about the process that they were so locked in about that album. Uh, which is really crazy, as you mentioned, because this guy was a 19-year-old kid. And especially when Q-Tip, he was the main guy of the Tribe Called Quest. It was like one of the biggest acts in hip-hop. Yeah. Actually, um, when we were talking about the first listening, the interesting thing about the whole recording process of New York State of Mind, DJ Premier said that in the booth were all of Nas's buddies. He said there was like 20 people in the vocal booth with Nas. And he kept telling that, having to tell them to be quiet so they could record. So at the beginning, when you hear all the guys talking, that's, all, that's actually like all of Nas's friends in the recording booth with them. And when he says, I don't know how to start this, it's because Primo is like standing there counting him in. And he's like, I don't know how to start this. And then he points at him and then he just goes. And he recorded the first verse, just one one take, and that was it. That's cool. Pretty pretty cool. Yeah. Anyway, so it it sounds really that Primo is on one part, of course, extremely gifted technically, but it seems also that he has a very great work way to work with artists. Which the more I get into music and and interested in producers is such a big way how they support to really set just a structure that the, the artist can really bring his his best seems like he's he's quite good yeah very, very um sympathetic guy with uh with life's a bitch we already talked about trumpet solo at the end is from naz's dad it's actually the only real feature track on the whole album yes which is later quite on than unusual later for hip-hop there you know there were features left and right yeah there was it's still yeah, still is and apparently on the day of recording life's a bitch Nas actually lost his rhyme books on the subway whoa Said he lot the day of recording he lost his rhyme books on the subway, but said luckily I had it all up here. That's crazy losing your rhyme books. That really is. Maybe that's that. When this happened, he started to not be prepared too much because in a later interview he said he writes down all the time his lyrics when he has ideas, but then he puts it away. And doesn't have too much look on it before he's going to the studio. He wants still to have a, a mind space to be flexible and creative. Which I totally get. But to, yeah. to lose the rhyme book uh, when you're uh, a 19-year-old kid and uh, about to produce a track with uh, 
uh, Primo, oh no, this was with LES, but uh, it, it's also crazy. And uh, I actually saw an interview where Nas talked about his dad playing at the end of the track. And what he told his dad was, play something that makes you think of the time when I was a kid. So the trumpet at the end of the track is something that his dad played that made him think of Nas. I think that's kind that's of a cool. cool family touch on it. Yeah. Maybe that also has a reason why uh, this song gets even warmer for me by the second listening. I cannot get this uh, info out of my mind. Um, anything else for the on the tracks that you found kind of interesting in the deep dives? Um, there's so many things, but I think that was really the yeah the the main the main things. Did you read about who halftime was orig originally made for? The beat no. from halftime was first made for Busta. Busta Rhymes. Busta Rhymes. Ah. Yeah, he said he's still kicking himself that he didn't take it. Yeah, back then, yeah, he was was leaders of the new school. Uh, I think he got famous with uh, his feature at Scenario was Tribe Called Quest. So this, yeah, I would kick myself to uh, pass that chance. But also, like Busta Rhymes, but uh, good that you mention it. In, in the documentary, Time is a Medic, he also is interviewed and he said, wow, that, that album raised the boss so much. It's really impressive how um, very big artists of, uh, of the scene are praising this album and, and Nas as a lyricist. Like for me, the, the most gifted lyricist and, and MC of the last maybe 15 years is Kendrick Lamar. And he said, well, Nas has such a big influence on me. Yeah. Um, they're like Schoolboy Q uh, or J. Cole even wrote a song. He's a big name right now. Um, um, it's called I Let Nas Down. So he's, he's really a big thing for also the, the young artist right now. It's, it's, it's really impressive for me. And the guy doesn't look like he aged a day. That's crazy. He, he, he still looks like the 19-year-old guy. I know. I was watching. I'm like, wait, this is from this year. How is that an interview from this year of Nas? He looks like he's like maybe in his like mid twenties now. I was blown away. Yeah, and it it's so great what what kind of content is out there that people really use it as a one of the most important parts of American pop culture. I mean. Yeah. There's like interviews with Harvard professors with Nas talking about his rhymes and he's reading his rhymes again. And it is a really cool, cool dialogues. It is. Also, mostly seems as a very humble guy. Like in one interview, you mentioned, well, I was just very lucky with the producers. That large professor introduced me and, and they're willing to, to work with me. And as you said, well, sometimes you really need big luck so yeah that's kind of I actually saw I actually saw an interesting thing that made me think about when I was listening to One Love I kept thinking this kind of when I when I found out it's about letters to friends that are in prison it actually made me think of an album we've already covered and a track on the Marvin Gaye album hmm. 
what's going on. There's the brother brother where it's him explaining what's happened to his brother while he's been away in Vietnam. I was like, this is kind of like the hip hop version of that, where he's explaining to his friends in prison of what's happening in the neighborhood. Like that's kind of interesting. And then I, then I saw an interview with Ghostface Killer from Wu-Tang where they were talking about it was for the 25th anniversary of Illmatic and Ghostface says, Nas, Nas is like, Nas is like our Marvin Gaye. <laughs> I was like, hmm. exactly. Yeah. But it, it really made me think of that. It's, it was, it really is kind of a hip hop version of that Marvin Gaye tune. Absolutely. And this kind of track was from the beginning when I was into hip hop, that was my definition of hip hop. Like this conscious. Yeah. With young you. rebellion attitude. Um, explained like really lyrically gifted, was a storytelling, a part of society that was left behind. He's showing the struggle. Why also have this still maintaining this attitude? I will still make it out of here. Like not maybe in that song, but in other songs. And he describes the dark side. Sometimes he also describes like he's still proud where he comes from or with, with him we're working or, or living, um, maintaining also this, this battle attitude over this album, using rap as a gateway to show the ability of him and, and what he's capable of. And also this, this dreams to, to, to get out of, uh, of this life and, and to make it. And if you really go deep into it, you, you really understand a lot of struggles. There are a lot of people that only going on the, on the surface of rap music, maybe they don't even get the, um, the words because they're not capable of English. They say, oh, all these, why are they, you know, showing the, the gold chains, all that stuff. So when, but when you're going deep into it, you, you get a way better feeling. When you're basically if, left out of society and, and all you, you're doing is, is, is getting out of there and, and, and then you make it and, and then to show it. And also to have this attitude like, you know, we're left behind, but at the end you all want to be like us, so cool as us, and we show you, you, you cannot mess with us. So, and to that young energy, that, that was something that I, I always um, was so interesting for me. He's actually still has that, like on his new album, he's still kind of bringing people into his world where he grew up and still talking about the injustices that are happening in America. And like the guys, he's what, 47 now? And yeah. it's, it's a thing that we've talked about before where with everything happening and especially in America right now, for the African-American community, where are all of the musicians? Yeah. If you look at the 60s with Vietnam, you had top-selling artists coming out and saying, this is wrong. We're going to make a song about how wrong this is. You look now, even hip-hop, it's left up to like Nas, who's a 47-year-old. Where are the 20-year-old rappers 
saying that this is wrong. It, it really is interesting. Maybe I mean, there is content also from big artists, um, but not songs that I know from right now. You know, we, we talked about like um, Childish Gambino, This Is America, Kenrick Lamar's um, last, uh, although he, he's bringing a lot of this stuff. Um, but right now, like, you know, sports is uh, the main the main topic and sports and is doing it. Yeah. And the sports stars, oh, the I, NBA, I just don't get away. And the biggest heroes of this NBA stars are the rappers like Nas. They admire these guys so much. Jay-Z and Nas, yeah. they're like the biggest guys for, um, for them. So maybe I also just have lack of, of information. Um, how about their voice? But right now the, the other is, um, is bigger, but yeah, Nas, is one of the examples that he explained what's going on in the US also right now, all the time. His album is about the problems we have in the US or they have right now. This album is as unfortunately as, as new as ever, right? It's about survival. It's, it's like, and, and you feel it. It's not like, um, he, I don't know, overstated. You can feel it as a young kid, he's 19 year old and uh, one of his best friends died. Um, when he was there uh, with him, Ill Will uh, was called and his brother was shot and he was afraid of that uh, all the time. And and he, I saw interviews where he was talking about, from from 94, where, we, where he was talking about crooked cops in New York and has anything changed? No. It's just... So the, the not... album is still very relevant. Yeah. Now it just gets seen more. Yeah, it's kind right. of the only issue. And that's something else that's good. Like like that artist, like Nas, at that time were also, you know, was seen as a danger for society. People, you know, were saying, oh, they glorify that kind of life. But now it's more like, no, he's invited to Harvard and and having discussions about his lyrics. Still, people, you know, will will. Uh, Bring stupid quotes about uh, about hip hop like this and, and 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 lyrics like this, but yeah. It is, there uh, was it, there is hip hop that is like that though. That's just glorifying that's violence and drugs and yeah, it so is so on and so forth. But Nas isn't that, and especially yeah. this album is a it's a look into his life. Correct. It's not. It's not him glorifying what's happening around him. It's him talking about what's happening around him and talking about how he as a 19-year-old feels and he, how his friends feel. Yeah. He's only 19, but his mind is old. He's, he's an old soul. Absolutely. I do agree. There are also um, songs or, or artists that, that are glorifying this, but especially this album is, for me, you can really pick more like a documentary it uh i would you know i'm a big fan of the of the tv show the wire and uh i had to think about this like it's something you can just watch and it seems like a documentary it just shows different sides uh, of uh, of a society shall we move on to the reviews that we had read yeah. so i did not add a deep dive on the reviews because all the other information, just a short one, but, but what did you find out? I just, well, the source, so the biggest 
hip hop magazine of that time. Does the source even exist anymore? I still think it's the biggest hip hop magazine in the US, but I'm not I'm know. not certain. I'm I don't know. But the source gave it with lots of arguments inside the source about this review gave it a five mics out of five mics where people people argued and argued like with the editors about why does this get five mics and the chronic got four and the people the guy people reviewing it were like well it's it's not cliched with and metaphors. It's no gimmicks. It's just on point. It's a classic, and it's just come out. Well, that is a good take by them. And I, I found a hilarious, uh, a re- hilarious review because this was bringing East Coast hip hop back on the map from the Los Angeles Times. <laughs> <laughs> Two out of five stars. East Coast critics have been gushing over Nas as if he were rap's second coming. Don't believe the hype. I was like, I was like, oh, come on, guys. Okay, but you can feel like the East Coast stuff was <laughs> even the journalism big. I found again a review it. by the Rolling Stone. That was also like a four or five stars and was very positive. Yeah. I like the one quote from it. Um, If an MC's history were really more important than his skills, then anyone from the projects would be able to rhyme like Nas. And Nas would be no different than any bum riding down Broadway. Yes, that is a good one. Because there's lots of guys that are MCs that have the same kind of history as him, but just not the not the skill there are millions of people who have that history like him yeah but he's just he's just a special talent i think a big most of the most of the reviews are like nine out of ten three spin gave it three out of three entertainment weekly gave it an a minus it's it's everywhere rated other than the los angeles times is rated as being like phenomenal nine out of ten or four out of five four and a half out of five five out of five it's always top grades and i think one thing that always gets mentioned is how like it's always mentioned how his rhyming skills are amazing a lot of the reviews though didn't really i found a lot of them didn't really they played down the production quality of it though because if it wasn't for the these five producers, this album wouldn't be what it is. No, he would be still a great lyricist, but this production, all the production, is so good, made it so special. And if if it wasn't for them, like it would still be good lyrics, but it wouldn't be the same album. Yeah, that would be different today in a review there would be way bigger focus uh, on the producers but that would be this goes into our next point of the influence of it that's because of the influence that this album had on hip-hop yeah i'm very very certain about it that is that is a great what if 
So if this album does not happen, when does it happen the first time? Maybe I'm pretty sure that at some point somebody would do it that way. But um, or or how that that music culture also on the hip hop uh, would it be different? Yeah, like what if Large Professor produced the whole album? What if he had the time? Luckily, he did. Even when I I really liked his production on the on this album. Yeah, Especially, me too. It's ain't hard to tell. Would it be the same though? Correct. Yeah, it was produced that way for a certain reason. With all that infos, then you figured out what changed while listening to it a second time. Not much really changed that much. It's just the more I listened to it, the, the my the tracks that I liked kind of changed. Okay. That's I like one love basically from first listen, but on the first listen, I really liked the world is yours and represent and it ain't hard. Those were like my three favorites. And then one love was up there too. But with continual listening, I just really, maybe it's because of what I read about, New York State of Mind, but the more I listened to New York State of Mind, that's now become my favorite track on the album. I just really, I love the beat and it's just, the rhymes are so good. I could copy paste what you just said. So my, that's, wow. I had such a struggle to pick a track from, from this album because, you know, like really okay new york state of mind always was a great song the word is yours great love one love and ain't how to tell that was my short list and like in the past if you would ask me you know a couple of days ago i would say yeah one love or ain't how to tell right now i have to say no it's new york state of mind that the all over sound the production his rhymes are the strongest of this five minutes he going at it this that's insane dangerous sound that is so much that is such a great sound that's it's great his his original rhyme i i read about this was um it was originally just 60 bars of straight rhymes and then he actually sat down in the studio and broke it up once he had the track but he had 60 bars just ready to go for New York State of Mind. And another thing that I was reminded again in hip hop, the chances are higher that even when I love song that I'm overhearing then faster than in other music quite often. So chances for a big hit that like I'm listening to a great hip-hop song, wow, it, it hits me immediately, but it faster maybe, ah, no, right now, I need a pause of that song. At for Illmatic, it just don't happen. New York State of Mind ain't hard to tell. I can listen to them all the time. Like, even now, after 20 years, it's, it's, it's I don't know why, but it's just very, such 
so good. They're good tracks. I keep wanting to listen to to them in the morning, like New York State of Mind. Kind of gets me pumped up when I listen to it, but with two little girls around, they learn some colorful language. So <laughs> I have to leave it off until until I have some quiet time for daddy. Yeah, but it's uh, it's it's a good song to listening in the morning going to work before presentation or something. It it it, it really brings you into focus. So that's it kind of pumps you up. Yeah. And a lot of his peers like also from the Queensbridge project, like already mentioned Mob Deep. Um they released their albums um shortly after and they, they also have this 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 vibe. Uh, from the sound even darker. Uh, I was reminded on that. He also has some features there. Um, great, great music to to get focused and pumped up. Yeah. So, what would you give the album as a rating? We have our two ratings. We always give kind of our rating of how the album has influenced music, and then just in general a general rating for the album. So what would you give for influence? Yeah, for influence, it's it's such a 10. So keep in mind that uh, we talked a lot of uh, times about it, that rap music, hip hop is uh, number one popular music right now. And the artists that are big are especially influenced by guys like Nas and Elmatic. And it seems like the older the album gets, the more content there is about um, how influential it was. Seems like it's getting like a hype again in the last years. That is such a clearly 10 out of 10. I would say maybe not only in hip hop and, and in general, since, since the 90s, one of the most influential albums seems like in, in music. I would say for sure, for sure. I completely agree. I mean, and what's, what's pretty amazing. I, I would give it a 10 out of 10 too, is how Illmatic managed to influence an entire genre for the, this basic, it started with New York that it influenced, but it was immediate. Like it wasn't like, album comes out and then a few years later someone's listening to it again and is ah okay maybe i could do this it was like immediate other rappers heard it and were like i kind of need to change my style now jay-z changed his style correct absolutely one of so the one of the biggest rappers of our generation changed his style after hearing nas ilmatic that's that's crazy. And that's in hip hop. It's more often that not the debut album is the most influential. That they have to work on uh, on their style. And yeah, for Nas, it's not the case. I mean, he has twelve albums afterwards. No album comes close to Illmatic, even when he has great other songs, albums. And what I also like about him as an artist that he is. He's no he knows that Ilmatic is his, his biggest work. For me, it doesn't feel that he has a struggle to chasing it, at least right now. He's still just he's not afraid to put out new music and um 
sometimes rhyming still about uh, the same things and pointing out, but also, yes, songs like, you know, being a father and totally diff different things. He says, well, I'm, I'm an artist and I just do whatever it feels and I, it doesn't hurt my, my legacy and, and, and the other things. I don't know. So that takes, that takes a special kind of confidence. Because having this kind of effect with your debut album, that would that could sink an artist. Absolutely, you could have an artist do debut album, genre changing, and then never hear from them again. Correct, and they and they also can, uh, yeah, have a miserable life at least, like because they're chasing that glory, and 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 other or other critics bring them so much down, and he seems so confident with his stuff. Yeah, well, it's, nah. like he just doesn't care yeah. it's like well I make it if you like it you like it whatever yeah I'm, I know I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a great artist um, or I, I, lo I love what I do and uh, yeah keep going after it I, I just find it so amazing listening to this and then thinking of the hip hop that I grew up on like I grew up listening when I got away from the teenage years of listening to horrible gangster rap and made it into more conscious rap like um like most deaf talib kweli common roots and that's that's kind of my group for hip-hop now like I, I really like that stuff or i mean tupac is of course both worlds combined he was gangster but also incredibly conscious but then you look at these East Coast guys like like Quali, Mostef, The Roots, and there's you hear the influence. Like when I hear Quali rap, I can when I heard Nas, I was like, okay, I, I see where Quali's coming from. Totally. Like the way that they flow, the way that they the terminology they use it's very very much influenced by this album and from the sound also like like the roots a lot of tracks i i can just as you also said um that some tracks i can solely see Crestlove creating that kind of sound especially when i'm thinking about now the second album of the roots illadelph half-life has a really omatic sound vibe for example i think I can see that, yeah. And there, there's also a, a very good live session. Nas was at the Jimmy Fallon show and is performing an, a newest song called Nasty. And together with The Roots, that's it's such a good tune. He has his great flow uh, again and The Roots live. Really, really good. The Roots are just always good live, though, so... Yeah, I mean they they're always good life, but when it comes together with Nas, it's yeah. Really really special. And how and what rating would you are you giving this album for yourself? Your I'd opinion? probably give it uh I'd give it a nine out of ten. Oh, that's good. I really I really liked it. But as you said, it's not like all the tracks are great. But it's it's just one track that I didn't really enjoy. Where I actually wrote down, I have really nothing to say about this track, which was "One Time for Your Mind." 
Good but point. Other than that, they're all good. But since it's one song, I'm doing a nine. Very good point. Yeah, for me, it is one of my favorite albums. So, but it's too boring to give it always a ten because of one time for your mind. It's a nine point eight. I would say. Can't give point eights. Ah. I cannot give a 10 all the time, so, uh, or maybe I give it a, I don't know, it's so good, I give it a 12 or something like that. No, but it's uh, yeah, one of my all-time favorites. But as it is praised so much, you think it is, you already said you think it's a 10 out of 10, but you think it's probably related, overrated, or underrated from everything you read? I think it's... Oh. If you go with um, the the review from Los Angeles, then it's underrated. <laughs> That's <laughs> for sure. Better than like a two out of ten. Um, but I think in general, it's pretty. You hear the influence that it has still, so I don't see how it could be overrated. I do agree. Um, it, I've, it is really album where, where, where it belongs that it's still there's so much input about it, uh, thoughts about it. Um, really, really, really good one. So, so yeah, that's really, about it for Nas. Really is special it? album. It is a very special album. I'm yeah. glad you picked it. I have to say I'm 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 very happy that you also that you now discovered it on that way and that you like it that you like it so much and yeah great fun it it has moved into now being one of my favorite hip hop albums not That's number good. 1 probably not number 5 not in the top 5 but in the top 10 for sure like probably 6 or 7 I, will, I get that. I think it's quite hard to, to get into top five when you grew up um, in your youth with that uh, music and there are so many albums that were important at that time. Then to, to, to be one of that top five is hard, but then to, if you rate it that way, that's great. But it really makes me kind of happy <laughs> that you like it also that much. Yeah, really, really, really good like, piece of uh, I, I... art. I know that it's technically it's probably it's better than than Reflection Eternal by uh, DJ High Tech and Talib Kweli, mm-hmm. but just the nostalgic value that I have with that album has it in my top five because I I love that album. Yeah. That's not what that. we're doing, though, coming up. Yeah, but it's uh, also a, a great album. But before we um, uh, stop talking about Matic, uh, the last section, what do you think aged the best of the album? Uh, true. What aged the best? Just the influence. And the fact that it, it's aged good well, that it's still relevant. It's sad, but it's true. It's still relevant with the things he raps about about injustice and the projects because the projects still exist 
and African-American people are still having issues with police officers and drugs. And that's still the way to get out of the ghetto is basketball, now hip-hop because of Nas, or partly because of Nas, or you sell drugs. Like, it's still a huge issue there. Like, it's, it's still relevant. Sadly. Correct. I wish it wasn't. That is for sure. Yeah. But we talk about it also with, with Marvin Gaye. Unfortunately, it is. Hasn't changed, really. And I don't think anything aged badly with the album. It's just a good album. You could release it today and it would still be... I mean, it's a different style of hip-hop than today. He doesn't use all the effects that they have like they do today in hip-hop. Like the auto-tune that gets used all the time. Luckily. Luckily. He has it on the new album. Yeah. On some guests. If, if you use it just a little bit, then sometimes I'm fine with that. But, uh, yeah. It's not even on his voice, though. It's on the featured artists, which is then that's what they do. Yeah, that's what they do. So, on his words, that would be would be strange. That'd be and weird. if it's on a small chorus or something, then, then it's okay. And not with some crazy trap uh, stuff where they're just repeating two two words like 50 times in a row. Yeah. But that's a topic for, for another time. Um, yeah, there's so many things that age so good i have a couple of things uh written down one thing is the length of the album that would also that fits quite well to to modern times we have just you know basically nine tracks um um that is quite quite good the art of storytelling and and um the the poetry as you use that is never going out of of style i think even when it's not uh, i think most not all of them, but a lot of popular rap music is they are not skilled that way. Still it's it's so good. And I can totally underline what you say what uh, yeah, it's it's sad that, that the topics are so so relevant still. But even um the way he approached this and, and is showing also this this is it's important that, that this exists. And maybe what yeah age not so good is that that stuff that helped the album so much uh, was that the the idea of the many producers so for this album it was perfect but as mentioned before I, I can relate to some quotes that uh, maybe also because of that album a lot of people are overdoing it or just not only using different producers for an album or but also for, for like having 20 producers for one song that yeah. is something that may be aged um, not so good, but that's not up to really up to them. It's more that what, what made people out of it. Yeah. Yeah. So much for Nas and Elmatic. And now I am very curious to hear about the next album we will talk about. So the next album, I was 
kind of thinking, what haven't we done yet? And this album is not in my wheelhouse. I'm guessing it's not in your wheelhouse either. It's brand spanking new from 2020. Whoa. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So when we get into influence, there's not going to be any influence that it has yet. We can maybe think about what we what influence it might have. That is a, a good idea to talk about that uh, we're predicting the influence it will have. And then uh, in, in five years, we can check on it. I have had one listen to the album, but just as background so far. And I haven't really heard much about it other than it was recorded during COVID times, which I find interesting. That's kind of why I picked it. Any idea? Genre? Pop. Hip hop. No, pop. Pop. 100% pop music. Um, the new Taylor Female. Swift album. Yep. Taylor Swift. Wow. And folklore. Okay. I'm very interested to see what we think of it because i know this is not anything that i would just normally listen to and i don't think it's something you would listen to normally you're totally right i'm very well known uh, as a critic of um, a lot of very popular music um but i'm I've, she's a very interesting artist just read a very interesting article about from chuck Klosterman about her that is a couple of years old and I haven't listened to that album, which is not a surprise, but I was a little bit intrigued because I read she worked with Bonnie Ver and guys from the National on the album. I said, what? Really? Yeah, she does Maybe have I a have song on ever. Well, now you have to listen to it. Yeah, oh, that's, that's good. And that's good. I, watched the, I watched the documentary. She has a documentary on Netflix as well. Okay. And I just find her very intriguing. So I thought it'd be a fun person to do some research on. And considering the album is brand new, I thought it would be cool to kind of listen to something new. It was either this or Dua Lipa. Dua Lipa? You know, Dua Lipa? Yeah, she uh, has like no. five hit songs on one album and it's her like second album. It's crazy. Okay. Also released at the beginning of the pandemic. Hmm. But I went for the album that's recorded during the pandemic and released. Very yeah. good. I'm, yeah, I'm very curious about it. Um, so I know that she's a very gifted artist. That does not mean that I, I like the music, but uh, I will see. I will see. Great. Looking forward to it. All right, that's about it for this episode then, isn't it? It is. Let's call the night. All right. Thank you for listening to the Modern Year Podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite listening platform and remember to rate, review, and share the show. You can follow us on Instagram at the Modern Year Podcast for updates on upcoming shows. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye. Goodbye.